welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. Coming to you live from Studio A of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. We've got the full CHGO White Sox crew with me. That's Vinny Duber in a very orange shirt. Uh, right. Put on your sunglasses at home. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can read his work at allchgo.com, his latest piece about Nikki Lopez. And the man in the middle is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him at Eckerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. And you can follow us at CHGO underscore White Sox. We're being produced today by Sarah. Hello. You say hey? I said, yeah, hello. Sorry. Okay. No, you're all good. <laughs> <laughs> Very, I'm a, I'm a man of, oh, what's it called? Uh, routine, routine. Thank yes. you, Herb. Uh, and you know, Sarah's changing it up. Yeah, on you. usually it's a hey, so it just got thrown off. Hello. Yeah, like, I don't know. Yeah. You should go with a different one every day, Sarah. That should be your bit. It should get shorter and shorter every time I do it, just or longer ha- and longer. Salutation. Just a, a by whole- the end, you're just like greetings, everyone. <laughs> Salutations. <laughs> I like that better. Uh, <laughs> welcome into the CHGO White Sox podcast. Make sure you're hitting the thumbs up button if you're watching uh, on YouTube right now. If you're listening on uh, the podcast, thank you very much. If you are so kind, make sure to review and uh, rate the podcast and uh that's about it oh we want to welcome new diehards uh, as well we got new diehards into the uh chgo discord uh and just into the program as well i think we're up to over a hundred from what kevin said uh, in the month of january so yes, thank you very excellent. much for uh, expanding the program but we got brian bonnie pierre and joe uh, are all new diehards uh so thank you uh you four for joining uh and thank you very much if you do want to become a diehard level up your fandom uh become a diehard today at all chgo.com you get a shirt when you join you're able to join everyone in the discord you get uh, a diehard membership that i think people were saying they were giving that to uh, law enforcement which you shouldn't do um probably get in trouble uh although and some stickers you're you're better off showing it to law enforcement than trying to show it as identification of law enforcement oh yeah that's true yeah Yeah. right don't impersonate the law correct Uh, get away from me officer i have my chgo (laughs) membership card like ma'am we'd like to ask you a couple questions and that's the badge you flash (laughs) i'm not sure that that's going to get get you where you need to get right uh on today's show we'll be talking about colson montgomery uh now according to mlb pipeline and i believe they're the only outlet to have colson be this distinguishment that is correct uh colson montgomery according to mlb pipeline is a top 10 prospect in all of major league baseball we'll discuss which white Sox prospects have been top 10 prospects since the 1990s when they have started ranking prospects we'll talk about trade proposals as well we discussed the jerry depoto mariners thing uh the (laughs) twins end up being the team that we're trading with the mariners but not the uh, most recent team not the most recent team. Not even he made the most, another trade today. Yeah, right. And not even the most recent AL Central team. That is correct. The Royals were the team that traded with them today. Uh, but maybe talk about the package that they're looking for because some of the negatives about Colson, maybe he won't be playing a certain position. Are the Sox looking for that certain position in a trade? Uh, we'll also talk about uh, Chris Getz's comments on Colson Montgomery. We also have some video from Pedro Grafol from the Boys and Girls Club about expectations for Colson come opening day and we've heard some recent comments from not only Pedro but also Chris Getz on the topic and we're just not really sure where 
he stands. Um, so we'll discuss Colson Montgomery today. If you have any thoughts, let us know in the chat. Thank you very much for hanging out with us. Uncle Ted, Justin, Connor. Uh, let's jump in, I think, first to the history of top 10 prospects because uh, Connor says Joe Borchard was a failed top 10 prospect. But if you remember his five for 12 with two doubles contributions <laughs> to the Sox in uh, September of 2005, he wasn't a top 10 prospect. Per MLB.com. Per Baseball America. Per Baseball America. MLB.com, okay. gotcha. from what I know, stop, or started their prospects, or I could only find their prospect list until 2004. Okay. So from 2004 to 2024. Which is 20 years now. Right. Yeah. We're oh. using MLB Pipeline. Okay. But then from 2003 to 1990, we are using Baseball America, okay. and that is the one outlet that I do know that has and been doing it for the longest period. And that covers the entirety of my life. Yeah, well, okay. there you go. And happy birthday. Uh, so, uh, Sarah, if you want to flash the top 10 prospect list, uh, we can uh, get into the players that have been top 10 prospects. Colson Montgomery, now ninth on MLB Pop Pipeline's top 100 list. Uh, Colson Montgomery in 2024, uh, again, making the top 10. In 2020, Luis Robert Jr. Wasn't Jr. then. was just Luis Robert Jr. Or was just Luis Robert, uh, but he was third on MLB Pipeline's list. On 2019 and 2018, Aloy Jimenez made the list fourth in 2018 and then third in 2019. In 2018, Michael Kopech also made the list at 10. In 2017, Yohan Moncada, after being a part of the Chris Sale trade, was second, uh, mostly being a part of the Red Sox organization, even making his major league debut, uh, but still was a prospect when traded over. And then after 16 years... <laughs> Uh, Baseball America had one White Sox prospect in 2001, John Rauch. He was fourth in 1994. James Baldwin was eighth. And in 1993, Jason Bure was eighth. And I mean, it, it goes to show you, I mean, we've got people in the chat, like you said, Connor bringing up Joe Borchard, got Tom bringing up Josh Fields. You could go on and on, uh, you know, I think uh, all the way back to guys like who, who was the, who was it? Chris Snowpeck that was oh. a, uh, a number one, <laughs> uh, number first round pick back in the day. But, uh, you know, it goes to show you kind of what the White Sox farm system has looked like in the eyes of these evaluators really over the years. The top 10 list that you just showed, that's not very long compared to some other organizations. And most of it is completely stacked within the last seven years. So to have a nearly three and a half decades worth of farm system rankings and that be the only guys that have landed in the top 10 probably says a little bit more about the White Sox than it does the lists in general but or the or the guys in general I should say but Colson Montgomery is without a doubt if you, you can everybody watching can remember back to 2019 and 2018 and 2017 without a doubt he is a prospect that re is receiving the same amount of hype that Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert Jr. did uh six seven years ago and also when I look at that list I think about the White Sox draft throughout the time that they've been. Look at that list. Like, Luis Robert was the international. Jimenez was from another team. Kopech, another team. Yoan Mankata, another team. John Roush, they drafted. So you got to go from Colson Montgomery in 2024 all the way to 2001 to see a person that they drafted get up to the top 10 of that uh, MLB pipeline slash Baseball America top 10 prospects. 
that just tells me about how badly the Kenny Williams draft strategy was through in his tenure because that draft, John Roush was drafted by Ron Shula, the, the GM before Kenny Williams. So it's good to get back to that because that will save you money eventually if you draft and cultivate your own players instead of tr- trading for those players or getting them in international signings. And it was fun to go through this list because there were some White Sox players who were on this list but weren't drafted by the White Sox uh, or were even White Sox when they were a part of the list, like Paul Canerco. He's a, he's a former White Sox. Yes. I think Jim Tomey was obviously on the list at some point. Lucas um, Giolito. Lucas Giolito yep. was on the point. Uh, was on the list at one point as well. Uh, there was one that I really wanted to bring up though, and I'm Frankie. Oh, Jose Contreras was on the list. I had no idea that Jose as Contreras, a Yankee, a big as a Yankee, big was uh, was uh, was on the prospect list. And I was like, hey, I know him. Uh, so the White Sox, I think, did a really good job of being like, oh, you used to be good. Let's let's try. Oh, so you know, that's the old the Brian whole, Bannister. That's method. the whole Kenny Williams thing, like where he's like, oh, you, I've heard of you before, and you're kind of like an athlete. Come on through. And then his draft strategy is like, did you play football? And you kind of. <laughs> play baseball <laughs> baby come on through i wish mike trout would have played better football god damn it right but hey i mean colson montgomery baseball player or a basketball player basketball, so again yeah. two sport at anderson basketball that, player. hey Tim anderson. fine that that football thing man that cost the white Sox multiple times i mean we talked about john rouch somebody talked about i mean john uh, josh fields he was a former quarterback at oklahoma state and uh, kenny williams couldn't wait to get him on the team and had that one flash in the playing year but, yeah, it's good to see Colson Montgomery up there and to have an actual person that they drafted. And that's a feather in their cap. They could say, hey, you guys talk about our minor league system all the time. We drafted this guy a couple of years ago. He's already in the top ten. That's from our development. That's from our system. And, and, the, num- and the number one pick that came after him is a top 50 prospect in baseball right now. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Li- literally, uh, you know, at 50, Noah Schultz is there. And you look at players that have that – 50, uh, that future value of 50 or greater. Colson's one of those. Schultz is one of those. Brian Ramos, Ramos is one of those. So uh, it isn't a plentiful, uh, what's it called, prospect list, but... High some, volume for the White Sox, yeah, you mean? Yeah, there's some, there's some stars. Because was, the, was it stars. the Cubs have seven or something like that? Yes. Like they they're dominating it this year. Um, but we've seen other, you know, you bring up the Orioles. We've seen other teams kind of have that stretch. The White Sox for a while there, when they started the last rebuild, were really well stocked with well thought of prospects, even if they didn't all crack the top hundred in the rankings every single or together in one year. But uh, you know, I think I think the best takeaway from that list, which which is a good one, is Sox fans think back not to now how guys like Moncada and and Jimenez might be might have panned out in the years since, but think back to when you were very excited to see Moncada and Jimenez and Robert up at the big league level. Montgomery is a prospect of that caliber. Um, I'm looking for the 2024. I, uh, I was thought they might have the team list yet but we don't know where the, oh, white the top Sox, 30 per team yeah, yeah we don't know where the white Sox stand at least according to mlb.com uh on, on where the Sox stand because honestly after what they acquired in the trade deadline you think they'd probably be from in the 20s to 15 hopefully perhaps they, they, I, I feel like you know for all the crap recon did uh his last thing <laughs> the trade deadline was pretty decent uh, you look at all the people that they were able to acquire, uh, not so bad. Uh, I do want to go to just some Colson stuff real quick. Um, obviously, this whole entire show is going to be about Colson. Um, but before we take a break, I just wanted to read some stuff from Fangraphs because they put out their full 
uh, report for 2024 on Colson Montgomery. Uh, so here are his tool grades from Fangraphs with his present value and his future value. So 50 would be league average. Okay. Uh, right now, his present hit tool is at a 35 with a future value of a 45. His raw power is currently at 60, and they think Damn. that it will max out at 60. Um, game power w- is currently at 45, and you think that once he gets a full idea of how to use his power is what he's only barely 22 years old uh that power uh potential could get up to a 60 his run is currently at a 40 and they think it will max out as a 40 they don't think that he will really decline that much as an athlete right now his fielding grade is a 30 with a future value of a 50 and his arm gets a 50 grade as well um and the big thing that stuck out to me was they write his 2023 got off to a delayed start due to oblique and back issues that kept him off the complex in Arizona until July. Once he was back, Montgomery posted some of the best surface level stats, a 287 batting average, a 456 uh, on base average, uh, on base percent, and a 484 slugging percent combined across all levels and underlying track man data in all minor league baseball. Uh, his lack of chase, just 16% and quality and amount of contact he made, eight swinging percent strike rate, 113 uh, mile per hour max exit velocity just to name a couple data points had Montgomery looking on paper like a near ready superstar there's a lot of great stuff too about his swing and how he struggled with belt high fastballs but the biggest thing that sticks out is his defense we'll talk about that in just a second but um, again all all the reports all the clamorings for Colson Montgomery is they got a good one Um, I know a lot of those names aren't really that uh that that exciting for Sox fans like Jason Bure and James Baldwin and John Rauch and they all contributed. I mean, well, he, John Rauch didn't contribute, but well, the, Jason Bure and uh, James Baldwin contributed. John Rauch contributed to Ken Griffey Jr. Uh, and uh, Brett Boone's stack career and Mike yes. Cameron. Yes, uh, that's what I'm thinking <laughs> of, not Ken Griffey. Uh, anyways, uh, let's take a quick break. Let's let no people know about our friends over at ComEd and Midtown Athletic Club, uh, and then we'll continue the Colson uh, discussion. But Vinny, we got to discuss. Some comment. We got to discuss some electric vehicles because it's getting easier for business to switch to electric vehicles. It's something that we can all get behind for the health of the planet, for the well being for all of us, like Colson Montgomery, who share it. True enough, Sean. The electric grid is evolving to meet your cleaner energy needs as we all move with confidence toward an electric tomorrow. Whether you have one delivery van or a whole fleet of shipping trucks, ComEd can help guide you to make the changes that make sense. What should business owners do, Vinny? What they should do is go to comed.com slash clean to learn more about the resources, fleet rebates, and infrastructure incentives available to help businesses go electric. If you, yes, you own a business, don't wait. Start making your plan today to switch to electric vehicles. They're good for business, good for the planet, and good for all of us. Go to comed.com slash clean. It's loud in here. Did you say comed.com slash clean? (laughs) Indeed I did. Go now and see how going electric connects us to a better way of doing business and a better future for generations to come midtown.com slash chgo is one of my favorite websites you should go there right damn now because midtown has four chicago land locations palatine in the northwest suburbs bannockburn in the north shore willowbrook in the southwest suburbs and midtown athletic club and hotel in the middle of bucktown and lincoln park the midtown palatine has launched their multi-million dollar transformation of the club which will be complete early 2024 and midtown is offering no initiation fees this january so you got two days left at their bannockburn palatine and willowbrook locations so right there you're on midtown.com slash chgo go there now and schedule up a tour for yourself so you can get a that no initiation fees deal that they got going on because there's something for everyone whether you're a single person 
married with children, people looking for a lifestyle change or holistic wellness, Midtown Chicago is the nicest fitness club that I've ever been to because of the super luxe locker rooms and the wet and dry saunas. They have premium amenities with amazing outdoor and indoor pools and hot tubs. A collection of boutique fitness studios with more than 100 classes per week that is included in your membership. And this isn't gym quality. This is boutique quality. Spaces like the arena. Everybody fights. The field, the ride, the theater, and also samadhi if you're a yogi. But also they have the best tennis courts and programming in the sport. Midtown has indoor, outdoor tennis, pickleball, and paddle tennis. USTA professional quality all the way. You're already there at midtown.com slash CHGO. Find out more and tour the Midtown that is closest to you. Thanks, Herb. Um, real quick, who will be the White Sox leadoff hitter this year is uh, being discussed in our comments. And I, Jesus. I don't know if I can actually answer that. Mm. I think it's pretty obvious. Is it? Yeah, Feel I free think to it's going to be Andrew Benintendi. Oh, my God. Okay. I mean, that's who we saw oh doing a good deal of leadoff hitting last year. Yeah. And if you remember correctly, I don't know if it ended up this way, but for a while at least, uh, the results were positive. Yeah. Uh, you know, certainly the bar was maybe a little low given how bad of a year Tim Anderson had, how bad of a year Andrew Benintendi himself was having, and how bad of a year most of the White Sox offense was having. That being said, I think Benintendi is a guy who – Pedro Grafol, who's going to be writing that lineup out every single day, knows exactly that he is a guy that can do what he wants him to do. And I, and I think that, uh, you know, a, I mean, for, for better or worse, he led the team in on-base percentage last year. Uh, like 340? 326, I Jesus think it was, right? Christ, it was 326. No yeah. And, uh, but hey, but higher than Luis Robert Jr., you know what I mean, who was, a, who was an MVP-type guy. Um, so, yeah, that's who I, I think it's going to be Benintendi. I, I mean, I suppose um, – there could be others in the mix, but I, I don't think the other guys who like are candidates, like maybe Nicky Lopez, maybe would be a candidate, something like that. I don't think he has the track record of offensive success like Benintendi does over the course of his career, even though I know he didn't have a good year last year. So I think it's going to be Benintendi. All right. And in those 44 appearances, Tim had 90. Uh, Benintendi in his 44 appearances batting first, a 301 batting average, a 366 on base percentage, and a 393 slugging percentage. Hey, Vinny, I'll take that. I'll take it back. Yep. I was like, disappointed initially, but uh, give me those numbers I'm in. Yeah. It sounds like Benintendi with an 092 ISO. Uh, what just hitting the shit out of the ball. He got bigger, though. Vinny, oh, you yeah. saw him That's gonna last week. He got bigger. He looked bigger. Yeah. And those uniforms we'll are kind of baggy. Hard to, it was hard to tell. <laughs> All right. um, he claims he's eating a lot of food, so there's that. You brought him up. Uh, let's ask you a little trivia question. Uh, I, oh, you're uh, going to bury Benintendi? Oh, uh, here we go. Go ahead. No, no, no. Okay. Just, oh, we're moving on from that? I was just wanting to stop talking about him. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, Blake, sure. name Hill at 10 home runs. Hey, do you know who is a number Who do you guys think is going to be the leadoff hitter? I think Ben and 10. Oh, That's yeah, the best okay. answer. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I would say, like you said, Nicky Lopez is that type of guy that Pedro, I would think, would put him up there. But Nicky Lopez, throughout his career, has not been an on-base guy. The only other person I could see would be Yohan, just because the on-base ability. Right. Can I tell you, I mean, I'll tell you who I'd put there. Luis Robert Jr. Yeah. I mean, no. So get them as, uh, why, why would you do that? I'm just, I mean, I, I don't disagree, yeah. but why would you do that? He's the best hitter on the team. Yeah. You um, want to see him the most times. He probably, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to think that the idea is to get to the starting pitcher as soon as possible, why give yourself two outs before you do that? Go ahead and see if Luis Robert can go ahead and, and do some real damage before before the guy even settles into one one at bat. Do you think that also it would force pitchers to pitch to him more 
because knowing that they have two, three, four behind there, if you walk him, he might steal on you, and they have decent hitters behind him. Not only that, he's a guy that once he gets on base, he has the ability to do something with it. You know what I mean? Like people, there's a lot of folks out there who want that kind of stereotypical leadoff man, get him on first base and give him and start stealing bases. Luis Robert can steal bases. If the, if, if the idea is that he can keep the double, uh, the double oven mitt going, then uh, he can steal bases and they should let him because he's a guy that could not only get on base and get things started immediately, he could get to third base before, before uh, too many more pitches are even thrown. So, um, that's who I would do. It doesn't mean it's going to be wrong. Yeah. Uh, you know, if, it, if he's batting third, that's probably what most people would do, and that's fine. But uh, if, if I had the uh, lineup card for a day, I'd probably probably put Robert right at the top. He's had 23 at-bats in the past two years at f- leadoff or, or batting first, and he has two hits. Um, but he How many walks? Three. Hey. Uh, three walks to nine strikeouts, which honestly – Compared to his career caper walk, that's like pretty decent. Mm-hmm. Um, but in 2020, he was 357, 455, and 536. So he, let's go. Really good his rookie year when he was doing it. So I, I would I would think that Benny slash Mancata, depending on lefty or righty. If you have a righty on the mound, then probably Benny. If you have a lefty on the mound, then probably Mancata and batting then just righty. Flip him. Put the a guy who's not leading off number two. Well, I put Robert too. I, 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 I don't. I don't hate your your idea of having him, you know, lead off. I would say bat him second, and then Aloy third, Vaughn four, and then Benintendi or Moncada fifth. fifth. Yeah, I think I think that's probably the one, two, three, three uh, one through five right now. But then again, who knows? Because Colson Montgomery might be on the team. Uh, all right, let's take that transition. Uh, let's go to Chris Getz's comments first. Because we got some trade stuff that I want to get into, um, and then we'll look at the 2025 prospect ranking as well. So let's look at Chris Getz's history of comments on Colson Montgomery this offseason. Yeah, so basically it's been... I mean, I think we dedicated a whole show to it or uh, you know, earlier in the offseason. There's a, there's a question, and I think a valid one. Can Colson Montgomery make the opening day roster? Can he be their opening day shortstop? And I think the odds are very much in favor of that not being the case just because there's no reason to rush him there's probably things that they still want him to polish up in the minor leagues why would you uh force him to do that at the major league level if you didn't have to um so yeah i think he's probably going to start the season at triple a charlotte that being said it's not impossible for him to make the opening day roster in my opinion based on what Chris Getz and Pedro Grifol have said this White Sox roster is not exactly chock full of guys who would be blocking him or you know hey sorry Colson you're ready to go but sorry man we got Paul DeYoung at shortstop we can't move him kind of thing I think you could right you can move him to maybe a different position or you could say Paul DeYoung we're not really paying you anything we're gonna go with the guy who's tearing it up it of course would be contingent on Colson tearing it up in spring training but we're about to hear from Pedro Grifol. We heard from him earlier in the offseason, even dating back to before last season even ended, talking about the kind of spring that he wants to have, where it's com- competition-based. And if you show up and you want a job and you can prove that you're better than the guy next to you, then go ahead and do it. And I, I think if that's the mindset that that he wants to bring into spring training, why doesn't that apply to Colson Montgomery? It, abs- it absolutely could, in my opinion. Again, I still think the likeliest outcome is him at Charlotte and perhaps for the bulk of the 2024 season, but I don't think it's an impossibility. So 
Chris Getz has been asked this on numerous occasions. Uh, we go back to the GM meetings uh, the first week of November, and he said, quote, I don't want to set limitations on Colson Montgomery. Uh, and further down in that, uh, that quote, I don't want to have the expectation for Colson to think he's going to be our opening day shortstop, but I don't want to cap anything for him either because it's important for him to stay motivated and be ready to go in spring training because who knows how 2024 unravels for him. And so I think it was coming out of that uh, week in Arizona where we were like, hey, Colson Montgomery opened a shortstop, a possibility perhaps. Then 10 days later, after Chris makes the trade of Aaron Bummer going to Atlanta, bringing all the players back into uh, uh, the White Sox organization, he's asked, have there been any conversations about Colson Montgomery making the team out of spring training? And his response was no, there hasn't been any talk of that. Fast forward then to two days ago three days ago, Saturday, uh, and Chris is a guest, a guest on Bruce Levine's show on The Score, and uh, he was asked about the likelihood of Colson uh, perhaps making the team out of spring training. And among the things he said was, we'll come into spring training and see what he looks like. The way things are trending, I don't think he's too far off of being at the major league level. Just a really exciting player. So, again, uh, some crosstalk in there, right? Some, some him, him kind of uh, contradicting himself maybe a, a little bit at times. And I think in the entirety of those comments are non-committal enough that no matter what happens, it's not going to, it shouldn't change the narrative or change the story. But I just think it's very interesting to see how the evolution of what those comments have been over the course of the offseason, given that this guy is obviously a cornerstone piece of this team for the long term. Interesting, too, because I think those first two comments were before Paul DeYoung was even signed, because he was signed on November yes. uh, 24th. That is correct. And yes. the bummer trade was the 16th. Correct. So, I mean, still, they didn't have a shortstop in-house before those first two comments. What do you make of this? Yeah, it's good to have characters carrot in the stick type of thing for Chris Getz to have that for Colson Montgomery and, you know, have a, a, a atmosphere of meritocracy. If you are the best player at the position, you should get the promotion. But with Colson Montgomery, I think that he's barely played 100 games in a season. I don't think he has in his major league or his professional career. So he's very young in his life. He's like 22 years old. So. Yes, come to spring training, show out. And if you are the best person, you give him consideration. But also, I don't think he's even played 60 games at the AA level. And to varying actual results, I don't think when he went to Project Birmingham in 22, he did well at all. And then last year, he did well, but it was very few games last year. So my plan would be to have him just make it undoubtedly I got to bring this guy up because he's crushing double A and or triple A. And so let him do that first. But it's good for everybody in the farm organization to think that, hey, if I perform, the GM is not going to hold me back. We're not going to be playing service time games. If I'm the best option, I get the call. And so I think for the most part, he is not going to be a White Sox on opening day on the professional team. But at the end of the year, I can't say he won't be. So if he proves he is and improves that defense that is kind of rickety right now, hey, I'm in. But I don't think that uh, Colson Montgomery is held back by the team because of other reasons, which I've 
you know, accuse the other regime of back in the past when they're playing service time games. It's good. It's a new day where people can just win jobs out of spring training if they are the best. Uh, we're going to hear from Pedro Grafal in a second. I also have a fear that I want to share with the group. Um, one thing, though, we've heard a ton about the comparison between Colson Montgomery and Corey Seager. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Blank Name brought it up or somebody brought up uh, Colson's age. Uh, Colson was at rookie ball when he was 19. Corey Seager was there when he was at 18. So one thing that Corey Seager was able to do before he made his debut at 21 with the Dodgers was get 1,704 plate appearances before making that jump to Major League Baseball. Colson right now at 915. So even with 500 plate appearances, he still won't be at the level that or the experience uh, level that Corey Seager was at uh you know, come major league debut time. And it does seem like he'll get there before 1700 plate appearances. I will. I, you, you say something like that. And my mind goes back to one of the things that Josh Barfield said when he, when we first talked to him after he joined the white Sox front office, obviously he was running the farm system out in Arizona where Corbin Carroll was the, the, uh, you know, runaway winner for rookie of the year this past year. And he made the comparison in terms of, Hey guys, show that they're ready at completely different levels. Every single one of them is unique. Sometimes there are guys who need to be there and hit a certain benchmark of at-bats themselves in order to get it, right, in order for things to click. And sometimes Corbin Carroll says, who needs this minor league stuff? Let's go to the major leagues. I'm not saying that Coles Montgomery is is either one of those extremes. He might fall somewhere right in the middle. But um, you have someone in a decision-making role who vo- is voicing that opinion of, hey, there it is. It is possible for guys to smash through whatever barrier or whatever check marks we have for them. Maybe Colson Montgomery is one of those guys for the White Sox. Yeah, we'll see. Let's hear from Pedro Grafol from when Vinny chatted with him and the media chatted with him at the Boys and Girls Club, and we heard two questions directed to Pedro about Colson Montgomery and his ability to make the team possibly uh, come opening day. You got a lot of guys here with you today that haven't played in the big leagues before. What sort of chances are the Montgomerys and the Nestrinis and, and everybody else going to have come spring to kind of crack the team? They're competing for a job, um, and you know that's what we talked about here before. There's there's a lot of depth, uh, especially on on that mound, and. Um, there's a lot of guys with little major league experience, um, but we're open to anything. We're open to what helps us win baseball games, and uh, I think everybody knows that, and I think everybody's coming into spring training with that mentality, and there's going to be a lot of competition. I'm really excited to, to see to see it, and I'm really excited to see what happens. You got to see Colson. You were out in Arizona for a little bit, too. Uh, how close do you think he is to contributing to you guys at the big league level? There's really no telling. Um, he's extremely talented, you know, obviously. Um, you know, he, he shows something that's very uncharacteristic with young hitters. He shows patience, um, hit ability, um, occasional power. Um, you know, but, you know, these guys, these, these guys that have that kind of talent, you know, they, they'll, they'll let you know when they're ready. You know, so, again, he's coming to spring training, and he, he's got he's to do his thing. He's got to learn, you know, the major league game. He's got to see major league pitching, and, you know, we'll continue to evaluate this thing. And most of the time, those guys let us know when they're ready. Okay, here's my fear. What if Colson Montgomery's ready, but he hasn't shown enough prowess at the shortstop level? And obviously we know that shortstop is such a difficult position defensively. Third base isn't open in 2024. 
Romy Gonzalez was the opening day right fielder in 2023. Can Colson Montgomery be the opening day right fielder in 2024? No, I don't think that's in the cards for him. But here's He's what athletic. I, but here's what I will say is that if he hasn't shown enough prowess, defensive prowess, he's not ready. You know what I mean? Like this is sure. this is an all around thing for the people who are doing the evaluating. It's it, it folks like ourselves who aren't watching every single minor league game, who aren't necessarily as as the professionals are well versed necessarily in the signs of uh, of what makes you ready, are looking at the stat sheet every night and. The stat sheets measure offensive success, and his offensive success has been tremendous. You read off a 460 on base percentage in, in some collection so, yeah. of games. That's in, that's insanity. Yeah. That's that's so good. But for 56, Oof. 456, yeah, yeah, for uh, whatever cal- collection of games right. you were referencing. But but there are other things that these guys are looking at that don't show up on the stat sheet. So whether those numbers are eye-popping in a good way or a bad way, the, uh, the, the truth of the matter is in the details that we can't see in a box score or, or uh, on baseball reference. So I think that to have a guy put up those offensive numbers and for them to say, you know, you have things that you need to work on in the minor leagues – means the defense isn't ready. And they're only going to call him up when both the offense and the defense is ready. Maybe it's, maybe at the end of the day it's not a shortstop defense, but they're not going to go put a guy out there even at third or second or right field if they're not confident that he can play the position. Everybody's going to laugh and say, oh, the White Sox do it with Gavin Sheets and Andrew Vaughn. They were confident that those guys could handle it in a, in a way, and to varying degrees they did or didn't. But um, when you're talking about a guy in Montgomery who is – very much a cornerstone of the long-term plan. I mean, the, ideally, they want him to be their shortstop for the next 10 years, right? Mm-hmm. So why would you call him up if you weren't confident that he could do that when you called him up? And to your, speak to your point, Vinny, if the Andrew Vaughn or Gavin Sheets experiments had worked out, I can see the White Sox maybe doing the right field thing, as you suggest, Sean, but you read off the grades. He's a 30 defensively right now and made like 15-plus errors in 60-plus games at A. That's a huge amount for a season, much less only 63 games. And so I think they want him to be at least competent. They've been speaking all offseason about defense and how they want to change the things that are going on with the White Sox. And Jake gets a good point because Tim Anderson, his bat played pretty much all through minor leagues, but his defense was kind of rusty. We saw when he came up, he was still the same guy. Then he fixed up some things, and then last year he took a huge step back. You don't want Colson Montgomery coming to this team producing with the bat and then not be able to stay on the field, especially late in games, because he can't be counted on to pick up the ball and throw it to first. So they need to make sure that that is nailed down. If that takes this year and next year, so be it. He's still young and still under their control for a couple more years. Yeah, I mean, I I think I was mostly just joking because of the Andrew Vaughn thing and they put him in right field and they don't have a right fielder yet. Um, I, I think that it is possible that if Colson makes his debut in 2024, it's at third base. And we did hear Chris Getz bring up, hey, Yohan Moncada, maybe he plays first base, right field, left field. Like, I, I think that if Colson does come up in 2024, they're kind of abandoning the the whole shortstop thing because the reports say that guys this size as Colson Montgomery typically don't stick at shortstop and the reason why he made that many errors might just because he's not a shortstop he might be too big to play shortstop and uh, he was hurt last year he probably yeah. but he had oblique problems and back problems so those probably contributed to his 
bad fielding. Yeah, but we've we've heard. I mean, just there wasn't always rave reviews for him being a shortstop. It was always one of the biggest question marks, even when he was drafted, was just that can he actually stick at shortstop? And Corey Seager is really the you know uh, exception to the rule there of guys that are that big and have been able to stick at shortstop. And Corey Seager also was just a pretty decent fielder where the reports on Colson is that he's just kind of too slow and that routine plays don't seem to be too routine for Colson. So, you know, let's maybe move him to, to third base where he might have the arm for it. Well, and I'll bring this up at this point too, because you're talking about where is he going to end up on the field? We had a question the other day, yesterday maybe, uh, or, or recently about kind of all the holes that the White Sox might have, even after this year, even after doing some work to sign guys to short-term deals, you know, what happens when, Paul DeYoung's contract runs out. What happens if Yohan Moncada leaves without them picking up the option? What happens? I think it's two more years of team control on Nicky Lopez, including this one. Uh, so if, if he's not know. the second baseman uh, in, in a, a year or so, Colson, they, Colson Montgomery can go to any of that those spots, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so, you, you know, you talk about, oh, God, what are they doing? How come they haven't signed a long-term guy at, at this position and that position? Well, maybe they're waiting to see what position Colson Montgomery ends up playing in the, at the major league level because come the end of the 2024 season, they might be able to say, well, we got third base locked down with Colson Montgomery or we got, we got Colson Montgomery projected to be the shortstop or the second baseman or, hell, the first baseman for the next six seven years now we'll go up now we can actually take our to-do list and know what we need this year might be a little bit about learning and that might be one of the things they're waiting to learn is what position does he end up at so that's one of the positions we don't have to go and fill a year from now absolutely i will take that transition and take a break and we'll discuss that exact point want to let you know about our friends over at circus sportsbook if you are looking to bet the big game uh not this sunday but next sunday head over to our friends at circus sportsbook the line right now is minus one and a half for the 49ers if you like the favorites at minus 110 and if you like the chiefs you can get that at plus one and a half at minus 110 if you like the chiefs on the money line you can get that plus 106 with our friends over at circus sportsbooks games will Strive to be a minus one ten split on the Cirque Sports menu, unlike other Cirque other sports books, which may use a minus one fifteen or minus one twenty split. Circa keeps as little money as possible on large market bets like futures and golf tournaments, especially compared to other books, which allow them to keep that minus one ten split on their menu. And their app does not limit players based on their winning winnings. Every player has the same limits, unlike other books who do limit winning players. And they encourage bettors to download and explore all sports betting apps available, so you can compare the lines from each sports book. And most of the time, if not all the time, the world's largest sports book, Circus Sportsbook, will have the best odds for you. And I did see that uh, Jeff Benson, their uh, VP, put up uh, odds for MVP. So if you are looking for a big game MVP, uh, Circa is the place for you. So download the Circa Sports Illinois app at circasports.com slash Illinois-app. That's circasports.com slash Illinois-app to sign up today. Also be on the lookout for Circa events, watch parties, and tailgates. If you or some you know may have a problem with gambling, call 1-800-GAMBLER, 1-800-426-2537. Text GMB 833-234 or visit areyoureallywinning.com. And we want to let you know about our friends over at Chevy. Uh, Our partner, Ray Chevrolet, is ringing in the new year with their best offers all month long. Make your way to Ray Chevrolet on Fox 12 in Fox Lake to join in on the savings and start your Ray resolution. As one of the top-selling Chevy dealers in the Midwest, you'll always be able to shop one of Chicagoland's largest Chevy inventories. But right now, they're trying to make room for inbound 2024 models. So all of their current inventory must go. It's a good time to take a deep breath. 
Uh, plus, you can find the perfect tailgating vehicles at Ray Chevy because they have over 100 new Silverados available with prices starting at 19940 Oh, sorry, 19495 See, Damn. the Ray price promise. It's lower than I even it's said. It's going down it's by the minute, <laughs> folks. folks. Uh, or take up to $10,000 off a new 2023 Silverado. And to top it all off, they're pricing over 125 vehicles under 20000 Seriously, it can't get more affordable unless I read the price wrong. And you can get a free oil change if you mention CHGO when scheduling your oil change at Ray Chevrolet in Fox Lake. So start your new year off right with our friends at Ray Chevrolet. Visit them in Fox Lake or RayChevrolet.com to start your Ray resolution. They've been serving the community since 1963. Find new roads. All right. So my one question was going to be, we hear about the Mariners come up in trade talks. We hear that the Orioles have the best farm system to trade with and that the White Sox likely want to do a deal with them. We've heard the Yankees pop up. Are the White Sox looking for a shortstop in a trade package because of the likelihood that Montgomery moves offshore? Not at this point, I don't think. And really, I wouldn't say at all just because when you're trading for these types of players, guys in the minor leagues who are not proven, guys who are uh, you know who you hope are are, are going to be a, around for a long time, but you don't know that for a fact, you got to go out and get the best player. And and and. You know, obviously, this is a little difficult because you don't just get to pick from the from the list. You have to match up in a way where the uh, the other team is going to be willing to give you what what you want. But I, I don't think that you say, you know what, we're not going to do this deal because we wanted a shortstop and you offered us a third baseman or you offered us a uh, or you know we wanted a right fielder and you said center fielder. So now nah, we're out. Uh, you know, I, I really don't think that you can do that because. You just take the guy who's going to has the best chance of being the best player and helping your lineup in the best possible way. You can move the pieces around if it works later in the game. I mean, uh, Herb, you were talking about uh, how the Padres kept playing musical chairs on the infield for the last few years as they kept getting better and better players. Hell, Fernando Tatis Jr. came up as a shortstop, and now he's the best defensive right fielder in baseball. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I'm not saying it's as easy as just saying, all right, you, you go play over there. Hopefully it works because we've seen with the White Sox, the guys they just brought up, Vaughn and Sheets, it hasn't worked out that well from a defensive standpoint. But I think when when you're going in, getting guys in the minor leagues who have no major league experience yet and are still just hopefuls you got to go with the best player possible i agree but as we have seen when you get a shortstop and Vinny just alluded to it you can move them around to varying degrees i mean we've seen alex rodriguez uh Cal Ripken Jr. were shortstops, moved to third base pretty much seamlessly when they did that in their career. You just brought up Fernando Tatis Jr. doing that pretty easily. Uh, San Kim, who was going to be a free agent next year, shortstop originally. Now he's playing second base again. I think he might go back to shortstop eventually. So Tim yeah. Anderson in the World Baseball Classic. There, yeah. But you have examples. Like a shortstop is the most valuable player in your farm system. If He can definitely play shortstop. Because he can be moved around. We talked about Andres Jimenez and um, Rosario when they got traded from the Mets to the Cleveland Guardians. Both were shortstops in the Mets system, and they made a great up-the-middle uh, combination for the Guardians. So, yes, I don't think the White Sox are going to be like, hey, hey, don't give us that damn shortstop, and we're not going to make a deal. But it's probably better for the team to have a person that does play shortstop, and then they can move him around based upon with Colston Montgomery matures into that shortstop they want to if he doesn't you got a plug and play guy right there 
Yeah, the one issue is you have in your farm system, Jacob Gonzalez, who is your seventh-ranked prospect, according to Fangraphs. Uh, he is currently at A-ball. He was your last first overall or first-round pick uh, in the last draft. Uh, but also, the returns on him haven't been so great. Uh, you also have Ryan Burrows, but he's not even 20 yet. He's in rookie ball. He's a shortstop as well. Um, and then you also have Javier Magalian. Uh, that's the first time I'm seeing that name and the first time I'm saying it out loud, uh, but he's under 19. He's only in the rookie ball and he is labeled as a second baseman. So not a lot of middle infield prospects for the Sox. Juan Uribe Jr. I don't think he's a top 30 prospect, Son of a bitch. unfortunately, <laughs> yet. Um, I, I just, you know, because it, it does seem like they're asking for the sun and the moon. I do wonder if they are looking for every single piece to be lined up. So I do wonder if they are looking for, you know, hey, your two best players and we got to make sure that Either one of those or the third player that's included is an infielder because it, it doesn't seem, or at least an up-the-middle infielder, because it does seem like it is very thin for their organization. That's how you hope that it pans out, mm-hmm. but all you got to do is look back to what Rick Hahn did. He placed a guy that you thought was going to be there for 10 years, hitting 40 home runs a year at basically every position on the infield. Some of those guys don't pan out for, for, for injury reasons, for performance reasons, for whatever reason. And there was no, and there was nobody to come in and backfill in a lot of cases, right? So going and getting another shortstop just because you have Colson Montgomery, not the worst thing in the world because that just creates depth. And I, and I think that um, you know you've seen them even talk about the fact that look at all these starting pitchers they have now they might not be the guys that are the greatest they might not all work out but they've got a lot more than they did before and that provides you some level of cover if things don't work out with guys that you are projecting to be there so I I don't think that you say um, no we need this one position or we're keeping Dylan Cease I think you say give us the best players we can get and hopefully all of them pan out and it's a good problem to have but no deal has been done yet correct and it's like what are we waiting for? Well, you know exactly what they're waiting for. Call Atlanta. Call uh, Seattle. A deal will be done. Because those people are like, man, let's trade everybody. Get your ass out of here immediately. Um, like, they just got Anthony Discalfini. Like, immediately get your ass out of here. Yeah, I feel sad month. for him. Like, he was Arizona, Arizona, Arizona. Now he's got to find a spot in Florida for his spring training. Do you think he moved, though? Like, do you think he moved, made them look? Do you think he was still in the process of finding a place in Seattle? I'm sure Seattle? You, just got, no, you just got traded to Seattle, so I'm sure he's looking up real estate. His family's looking up real estate. And for spring training, you're probably looking for a temporary home for yourself. And now you're like, damn, i got to go to fucking Florida. Ugh. Sorry, Anthony Discalfini. I'd hate, I'd hate for him to have pulled the trigger That's there. two already. terrible states, but whatever. What, Florida and Seattle? Uh, uh, or Florida Washington? and Arizona. Just hot and hot. Well, like, it's different hots. Yeah, one's a dry heat, which is still hot, and the other one's hot, hot, and mosquitoes and alligators and shit. Arizona's beautiful, Herb. Yeah. Beautiful, looking, beautiful looking state. I'll I mean, say, very, I'll, very beautiful looking state. I want to visit for like two days and I'm out. Scorpions everywhere. I love Arizona. You're not going to hear me say a bad thing. I'll take the dry heat over that weird <laughs> <rather> sinking state. <laughs> Fuck you like a hurricane. That's scorpions, right? It is. Okay. Who are German. What? Yeah, the Scorps are German. Um, yeah. All right. Anyways, I got uh, some uh, Scorps. Yeah, Scorps. Okay. <laughs> I got some <laughs> trivia for you guys, and then uh, I, I kind of want to discuss this Twins thing for a, a bit, uh, or just for a second. JJ Cooper of Baseball America put this out. Um, they rolled out obviously their top 100 prospect list, but if you're wondering how many 
since 1990 of those players have been Hall of Famers. How many players in Baseball America's top 100 prospects in the last 34 years Jesus. have made the Hall of Fame? Yes. Wow. I mean, so can I get how many players were in that? So just 100 each of those years? Yeah, I mean, so, there's probably some overlap. but Yeah, all right. I would just say, like, 10. I'd say it's a small number. So I'm just going to use the fact that Herb answered first to do over or under. Uh, I will say under. You'll say under? Under 10. Herb wins. Uh, 19 players were eligible for a top 100 prospect list who have been inducted into the Hall of Fame. Of those 19, 17 made at least one top 100 prospect list. Who were the only two that didn't? So 17 of... So 19 were elected into the Hall of Fame from 1990 that were eligible for a list. Only 17 made the top 100 list. So two. So two, the answer was 17, not 19. <laughs> uh, 19 players who were eligible. They were eligible for the top 100. Right. You know, they so didn't he, make what, it. You yeah. asked us who was on the top 100 list that's made the Hall of Fame. The answer is... So that'd be 17, right? I'm trying to think. Yes. So, so, so my bad. So yeah. there have been 19 players who were eligible for the top 100 prospect list. Of those, of those, 17 made at least one top 100 prospect okay. list. So I'm sorry. All right. So we've got to guess the only two. The only two. <sighs> Jesus. So I got to wow. think about te- players that have were probably not highly thought of and then eventually just broke through. Uh, David Ortiz. Oh, God damn it. David Ortiz was the lowest of the 17 to be ranked at 84. Okay. But no, he was 84. Son of a gun. I'm just trying to think of a... Now i got to think of a... You're thinking too hard. So White Sox. No, you're not thinking that hard. No, no, no. (laughs) What? This is why you're thinking too hard. I'm just trying to think of who's been elected to the Hall of Fame since... And has been it was a prospect 1990 or later. Todd um, Helton's pretty damn good, so I think he was in the in the top, top ten. Yeah, Todd Helton was. Todd Helton was uh, 11. Say, John Schmoltz. No. All right. Well, John Schmoltz was before was a prospect. Yeah. All right. Well, already off to it, a rip roaring like, start. Think about John Schmoltz. Tom Glavin. No. Okay, but think about <laughs> John Schmoltz's John Schmoltz's career and maybe things that he did in his career. Like a, be thinks, a closer, a starter. Closer. Trevor Hoffman. Trevor Hoffman. Okay, and Mariano Rivera. And Mariano Rivera. Oh, there you go. Thank that you. was easy. Yeah. Okay. okay. It was easy. <laughs> was it? <laughs> yes. The two guys. That, that's why Garrett Crochet who doesn't want to be a, a it's a good point. You don't see a lot of relief pitchers on the uh, on the top prospects uh, list. Do you? No. As no. JJ says, uh, Mariano Rivera and Trevor Hoffman were both top ten prospects for their team, but not top one hundred prospects overall. So uh, if if you take out the closers, 17 for 17, of the Hall of Famers were ranked. So that's pretty good. Yeah, right. So <laughs> what I was trying to show is that, like, I get we've been scorned by top 10 prospects before. Your Jason Berets, your James Baldwins. Those are actually good Even, guys. I mean, Yon Mankata has still been an average MLB baseball player. It seems like there's been some things that have held him back from reaching the potential. Same with Michael Kopech, but you still kind of see why those guys, even in 2024, are still highly thought of. Colson Montgomery, if things go right, could be a very, 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 very good baseball player. And that's exciting. If there's one thing that should be exciting Sox fans in 2024, it is Colson Montgomery. And the one thing, too, 
There's one guy above him, and he's 17 years old. He's a catcher for the Padres mm -hmm. that has a later estimated time of arrival to the major leagues than Colson Montgomery. At eight, it's Ethan Salas. So if Salas has a bad year and Colson Montgomery has a good year and Montgomery isn't eligible to come off the prospect list and all of the seven guys above Salas make it, I think that there is a possibility, there is a world, there is a reality where Colson Montgomery is the number one prospect in baseball, and that will be the first time in White Sox history that they have the number one prospect in all of baseball. I think he'll be in the majors before the end of the season, but Sean, you can dream. But I mean, we saw Mancata make the majors, but not have enough games. Dominguez made the majors last year, but still not playing games. Oh, I see games, what you're saying. Okay. Right? I mean, like, if he plays eight games, he won't make the list. Or he will, he will make the list. He'll be eligible. So, I mean, I think that there is a, a, a universe where the Sox might have the number one prospect in baseball. And I'd throw up that day. That'd be, that'd be really fun. Uh, Salas is going to kill. I mean, Salas wasn't that good when he got promoted to a better competition. He's 17 years old. 584 OPS. Yeah. Mercy. Yikes. Um, okay. I think that's it. Oh, the one thing, too, with Colson, of those 17 players that made the top 100 list, seven were top 10. So 41% were top 10. Um, I think it was Maurer, Chipper, Adrian Beltre, Vladimir Guerrero, Derek Jeter, Pudge, and Pedro Martinez. So it's a good, that's a good team. Pretty good team. Uh, pretty good list. I and mean, then Todd Helton was like 11. Even, Roy though, that, was even though that team is two players short, I would take it. <laughs> you got a just, pitcher. Yeah, just take our chances. Like, right. leave, you th leave third base open when there's a lefty up. You got a pitcher. You got two great catchers. I mean, Maurer might have to play, I guess, first base. Yeah. Um, oh, I would pudge, yeah. He's yeah. going to be, yeah. You got Who, do you pick for third? Who do you pick for third, Beltre or Chipper? Beltre. Where's is Chipper it? play? <laughs> I think Chipper plays short and Jeter plays second. Yeah, Jeter was a there you terrible go. shortstop. Third base is Beltre. You have no outfielders. <laughs> Ken, how is Ken Griffey not on this damn list? He debuted before 1990. Oh, he, he was 89. Yeah. yeah, he was young as hell, too. Yeah. Oh, Vlad Guerrero is just going to patrol the outfield. There you go. You get one, out, you get one outfielder and it's Vlad Guerrero. <laughs> right. Excellent. Um, you're out at home. Hey, well, you run on him, you're out. Immediately. <laughs> That's people be trying for inside the park's home runs because he's the only guy out there. But you'll be out at home. <laughs> you'll have those Jose Guillen <laughs> mutant throws. That's uh, it, a good transition, too, because the MLB, the show, 2024 MLB uh, cover athlete was announced. It's Vladdy Jr. Uh, so MLB, this show, 2006, had Vlad Sr. MLB, the show, 2024, had Vlad Jr. I so that. I think the first ever father-son combo to be on a, a video game. So at least Major League Baseball video game. What do we think of the... Twins trade. We were talking about Jerry Depoto making all these trades. Uh, even since making that trade, he made another trade. Uh, he's made 162 in his lifetime. As One for a every game. GM <laughs> as a Mariner GM, and uh, he had a career as a GM for a different team prior to that. Yep. So it's way bigger. Oh, than the Angels. He's the Angels yeah. GM. Oh, the Angels yeah. GM. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's probably over well over 200. Well over 200. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin Topa, Anthony DiScalfani are the two major leaguers that will be going to the Twins. Gabe Gabriel Gonzalez and Darren Bowen are minor leaguers, so it's a four-player uh, package going to the Twins for Jorge Polanco. What do we make of this Mariner-Twin trade? Seem, seems like it makes them worse in the short term, but might be a good long-term deal for them. From, what, from the very little that I looked at on, on terms of reviews by folks for this, seems positive. It seems they got a good group of players. One of those minor leaguers, I think, is right outside the top 100, Gonzalez, something yeah. like that. So um, that's a good prospect to get for them for, for a, you know, a veteran guy. Um, this man, 
the Twins have not really done much anything positive this offseason, and no. they're still going to go into the season as the favorite to win that division. So um, I guess taking advantage of the situation that they're in and uh, making themselves a little better in the long term um, – even because their short term might not be drastically affected even by losing one of their best hitters. Yeah, <laughs> I think uh, as a White Sox fan who doesn't like the Twins, you got to feel for the Twins fans. Like they won the AL Central last year and then finally won a series. So you're thinking, okay, let's build off of that. Let's go to the next level. They're like, no, we're cutting payroll. You know, that player you like, Polanco, get your ass out of here. Like it was his walk year, right? So they were going to so. pay him whatever he won in the free agent market. I'm sure they have a shortstop second base prospect that's going to come up and make a seamless transition. But, like, Topa's a really good reliever. And DiScalfani is a minor league, is a all right starter. But they had to get money included in the deal to pay for some of uh, DiScalfani's uh, $12 million salary. So it's like, you're not broke. You're using the Bally Diamond Sports thing to say that you're broke. You're trying to be the poor team, but it's just so bad to see a team that was at the top of the league of our division, and then they're just like, we're not even going to try to do anything this year, and we might still win, as Vinny said. We still might win the AL Central. So I think they got worse yesterday and still will probably be the favorites in the AL Central. Absolutely. Probably the overwhelming favorite, right? Tigers have done some things. And Anything I think that the makes Tigers, them scary? No, they took their player in Kenta Maeda, and so that's a starting pitcher that they might have. And then Tariq Skuba at the beginning of their rotation. I think it's going to be his blast-off year where Tariq Skuba is going to be a top-10 Cy Young co- uh, candidate. You're saying well, it wrong. Sorry. <laughs> Vinny? Skuba! You cracked me up there. I couldn't do it. Yeah, and Good so job, Sean. <laughs> they got some, and then then they signed their uh, young prospect who hasn't made a major league start at all to like a what a five six year deal. Before. Port Keith. Yeah, so they're looking as something that is decent, and we saw glimpses of Green playing well. So I think the Twins might have a champion, uh, uh, a battle right there with them, and you can never leave the Guardians out because they're the Guardians. Yeah, I'm not too afraid of the Guardians to be honest. I, I think that. The, the Twins kind of clean this division up pretty handily, um, even though their lineup feels like it could crumble at any second. Uh, uh, injuries. Eduardo Julian, pretty decent second baseman and a very good hitter. Uh, Royce Lewis at third base, awesome. he's got a ton of injuries. Awesome. So many grand slams. Though. Um, By- Byron Buxton is going to be playing center field, and he also has a ton of injuries. Uh, Carlos Correa has that whole Achilles thing that didn't want two teams signing with him, uh, and that's everyone besides Mac Ke- Max Kepler in their one through five. Um, so I don't know. I just three of those guys have major, major, major red, fl- red flags. So it's it's concerning. Um, I it's kind of why I'm like socks should be this. I mean, like spend a little bit maybe. But don't you like think your the, second most pl- like spent player can't be John Brabia? But don't you think the White Sox are looking at the Twins coming back to them and saying we don't need to go that far? And then they're like, if we just have all these things go right, we'll be right there too. I guarantee they're thinking that because they are, they're not no, no urgency to go after the Twins or the Tigers. Just like, hey, if Yohan has a good year on his uh, walk year, we, we benefit from that. Then he goes off to another team. We have a bunch of money in our pocket, $24 million that we don't spend in twenty five. So I see why the White Sox are not going for it, but also I would love for them to go for it. But they're trying to save some money. Well, their payroll's down $50 million. 
That's nice. Perfect in Jerry's pocket. Yeah. Hey, nice for a new stadium. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for the CHGO White Sox podcast. That is Vinny Duber. You can follow him at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer. You can read his work at allchgo.com. Uh, also, make sure that you sign up for our Die Hard program. You can chat with diehards like yourself in our Discord. You get a free shirt when you sign up. You get a nice membership card. You get a nice box that all comes with, along with the stickers, right? There's mm-hmm. stickers that come along with it as well. On your computer. Yes. Um, except for one of them. Uh, anyways, uh, that's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him at Eckerwall23. He's our CHGO White Sox community leader. Uh, I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. We'll talk to you tomorrow at 4. It's 4 p.m. Goodbye. Goodbye.